Welcome to the Afterwards Podcast, a show where we talk with the teaching pastors about their message from the previous weekend and kind of dig a little bit deeper and sometimes uncover some stuff that maybe didn't even make it into the message. So this afternoon, I am joined by Noel. Noel, how are you doing today? Just ducky. Ducky, that's an interesting... <laughs> I haven't said that in a long time. I, I like that. I think we're going to go with that. Now, we have a little bit of f- feedback that I want to just sort of share with you because we have gotten some comments about the show, and I don't want to boast or brag. I'm not sure which one it is, but I don't. either way, it does seem like people really like the show. In fact, more than one person said to me that it is literally their favorite podcast. Literally. There you go. How do you, now, do you like now, that? Now, if it is literally their favorite podcast, that is a remarkable feat. I just tried to work as yeah. many you references as I possibly could well, into my and introduction. Now, for people who weren't at this weekend services, they won't, they won't get that, but so I'm going to include a link uh-huh. so you could go listen to the podcast of the service if you want to do that first. And everything I just said will make a lot more sense. You only need to listen to the first five minutes of the message too. That's true. That's a good point. So uh, I, that's literally all you need. We have actually gotten some good feedback and I really appreciate everyone who's been listening. Uh, my name is Jason. I'm here with Noel. I, f- I realize I never introduce myself because I just don't think it matters. But some people listening are like, who are you? So well, your mom needs to know. My mom needs to know for sure that I still have a job. So that's good. Hi, mom. Uh, and she has been listening, so I do appreciate that. So the other thing we need to clear up before we go too far, I want to give you a chance to respond to four-letter Noel. <laughs> so just for people who are listening, hopefully you're caught up on the podcast. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about, I talked with Noel about whether there are two letters to the Corinthians, three or four. And we had this conversation and Noel referred to himself as he thinks he's four-letter Noel. And then last week I asked James about it. And James definitely thinks that you're four-letter null, but I'm not sure he might have meant something different. (laughs) Yeah, in fact, I was actually running on the treadmill at the gym when I was listening to this, listening to the podcast, and I almost tripped when he said that, because he said, what do you say, four-letter null because there's four letters to the Corinthians or because of Noel's usage of four-letter words or something like that? Yes. (laughs) Well... I don't know if there's anything to clear up. If, if, okay. If you know me, you know me. The answer is just yes. <laughs> yeah, the all answer is yes. the way around. That's the good. The answer is yes, and I need to work on it. I'm that. good with that. So <laughs> the other thing is, last week I asked this question to Tony and James, and I just thought I'd ask you before we dive into the message, which was sort of a behind the scenes. Take us behind the scenes, because obviously as the teaching pastor, you sort of plan out the series. But as you dive in and out of these sort of small passages of scripture that sort of fit into a much larger context, as we work through a book over 27 weeks, I would just love to hear how you think about preparing a message in this case on, I think, three verses out of an entire book, knowing that someone else has come before you, someone else might come after you. Just like talk to us a little bit about that process. Yeah. Well, even this week, the first word was indeed which in Greek is like an arrow pointing backward. And so it's a, it's a connective tissue between the passages. And so there's a lot of that, especially in the Pauline writings. And so he will often, ref- he's building a case. And so you have to be really careful. So the, the two things is one, whenever you hit a word like that, you got to go backward. And so what I always do is in my prep, I'm a little bit ahead. I usually am a couple weeks ahead in my prep, just at least doing first drafts of things. But I make a little note in there right at the beginning to go back and listen to all the other guys' messages. So I was live and heard Hezekiah preach at Rio Town, and then I, I listened to Tony and James's. And so I want to make sure that I, I'm not covering ground they've already covered and that I'm tapping back. But uh, those guys are just so biblically faithful. They're just following the text. And so I, I knew where they were going. But the other thing that's tricky is in a book like Second Corinthians, especially like with like boasting, we, we're talking about boasting this time around. He, he, he uses that word so many times, like in the book that, that 
you have to be careful not to steal thunder from yourself for later. Mm-hmm. Like Paul's building to a conclusion. And so there's a lot of times where I'm like, okay, wait, I think he's going to get into this more. And so I kind of have to flip forward. I go, oh, okay, I got to make sure. Cause I've done that to myself before where I've preached the, <laughs> the mm-hmm. right message with the wrong text because I've jumped ahead. So it's, 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 you got to kind of know the book and where it's flowing. And I love the fact that we have multiple teachers here, love being able to sit down and just listen to those guys. It was fun to sit and listen to Hezekiah or stay. I stood, I stood in the back of the room and listened to Hezekiah. I stood and listened to Hezekiah. I love doing that. Yeah. And unfortunately you were one of the few that were privileged to hear his message because we didn't get audio from his message. Uh, and it was a, a bummer too, because that was one of his best. He knocked that one out of the park. So he, he he's just... And for those of you guys who don't know, Hezekiah is our pastoral resident. We we kind of think of ourselves, as, I guess, like a teaching hospital. So we got yeah. a residence here, and in his residency right now, he is just growing in his preaching, and it was a, a gr- one of his better messages. Yeah, so and you, you I read it. the whole thing. Yeah, it was. I, I was really bummed. I almost thought we should make him come in and just stand here and preach it, and preach it into this <laughs> microphone, just so that people could hear it. it. It was a great message, um, and the other two as well. We did establish last week, and I stand by this. I had this conversation later with my wife that the secret is you can listen to them. Most podcast players will let you listen to them faster. I do not recommend that you listen to either Tony or Noel How much faster. How dare you? Because <laughs> you talk fast <laughs> as it is. I have slowed down over the years, man. You don't even know. Like 15 years ago, there are people who come up to me in the lobby. They're like, listen, dude. I love you. You got to slow down. You're killing me. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, in my case, I had to listen to two of them really in right. a short amount of time. Yeah. And so I, I really wanted to make sure I got them in. So I, I have one more process sort of question, um, which is that you, especially because this message, we you talked a lot about the fact that these words don't always mean the things that we think that they mean, but we only read them in English. Okay. So for someone who is reading through this journal, reading through these passages, listening to this podcast, are there some like easy off the shelf tools that people could be using to sort of uncover some of that stuff on their own as they're studying? Because I think that we typically as if we're reading through the Bible, we don't necessarily know what we definitely do not know what we don't know. So are there some things that you recommend? Well, that's actually a great question. And it raises a side issue that I want to jump to for a second. Sure. And then I'll jump back to that. I remember my friend, Joe Swords, who was one of our residents here and went and planted a church over in Clio, Michigan. Uh, Joe once said to me, Hey, Noel, you got to be careful. <laughs> and the, like He's one of our residents saying this to me. You got to be careful because sometimes you explain so many of the Greek words that it makes people feel like when they read their Bible that they can't trust the words that they're reading. And I, I do want to address that for a second because I do think that that's something for us to get in our mind. You can trust the translations you have. So the first thing I'd say is our translations are so good now that the nuance we are just picking at, like it is very, very, the the translations are consistent. And and I think sometimes reading multiple translations will help because you'll see kind of where the variants are. There's often footnotes in the Bible where there's variants on things, but some of the tools that are great, there's, there's a um, software called, or there's, this is all free. There's something called studylight.org and it allows you to actually click on the words and see them in the original Hebrew or Greek. And so you can kind of do your own Hebrew and Greek. So here, here's the deal. I never took Hebrew. I never took Greek. Uh, I became a pastor and then went to an unaccredited seminary afterward. So I'm like, I'm the guy who didn't say that, but, I, but I'm able to, with these tools, dig into those. Another one is the Net Bible. And Net Bible is, is a free online resource that has been, it's a translation tool that when you 
click on the words, it, it, it'll sometimes give you a paragraph as to why a word is translated the way that it is. And they actually even print out their, their Bible as well that has all the footnotes in it. It's crazy. So those are great resources. They're all free. And I would encourage you to kind of dig into those. If you want to spend some money, there's ways to spend money. There's Logos Bible software, which is what I use. And it can be a bit pricey, but the entry level is a couple hundred, hundred bucks. But that is a tremendous tool. And that's what I use because it helps me really dig into the Hebrew and Greek. Uh, and I'll throw in one other. There's a, a software that I have it here on my Mac called it's just called Bible study by olive tree. Oh yeah. Olive and tree it's is great. Basically like a free yep. version of logos without some of the more advanced things, but you can get a bunch of free translations. You can also then, if you wanted to, you could buy Matthew Henry commentaries. You could buy the study Bible version. You could buy these different things. So that is another one that I really like because it's, well, it's free and yep. I didn't yep. have to pay a lot of money. for. Yeah. It. Well, and that's, I've heard a lot of people use that and you can't go wrong with any of those tools. And, and for me, one of the things that I love about this is there's always these conversations about the reliability of scripture. Can we trust the Bible that we have in front of us? And we live in this culture where we don't trust anybody for anything. Mm -hmm. And so people are always like, well, did you do your own research? And no one ever did their own research. What they did is they went back and they read somebody else who said they did their research, right? But you can yeah. actually, you can actually search through not only the Greek and Hebrew, but you can actually search through their libraries of the original languages and the text and the manuscripts. And, and these are all digitized. And if you really, really want to go for it, you can. And that to me just helps us to know that the, the text that we have is faithful and, and we can know that it's true. Yeah. That's really helpful because I do think that as people hear messages and they, especially when they hear, Hey, this word, let's unpack that because the word we have in English doesn't really do justice to what this actually meant. And I think it's helpful for people to sort of be pointed in the right direction in terms of here are some of the things that you can use when you do that on your own. So well, even this week we, you, we talked about the word boast and the word boasting. And I didn't even use like a literal Greek definition because the Greek definitions were so um, complicated and it was it. And so that I just thought, well, I kind of gave my own Knowles English version of it the best that I could, because really in a sense the the word boasting is like, it, it, it's like a crown. It's like, it's talking about putting a crown on something. Yep. And I just was like, okay, how much can, can I get into all of this? And so sometimes uh, you need to kind of just distill it down, which is what they've done the best that they can. I mean, my wife is Korean and there are words in Korean where she'll try to explain the word in English, but you have to use so many words to explain mm -hmm. it. And when you talk about ancient Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, it's the same sort of thing. There's a little bit of a dance there of saying, what is the exact meaning here? So, yeah. So let's talk about that word boasting. And I think it's an interesting example for people of words that when we read it in this scripture, when we read Paul's words, it does hit a little bit weird because he is talking about indeed we boast, right? <laughs> like he's talking about it and you explained it, the definition that you kind of sort of the, you called it the Knowles definition was seeing something and giving glory to it, which I guess maybe that was the, your sort of paraphrase of the Greek. Right. Word. That's my paraphrase of a bunch of different Greek dictionaries that I read. Yeah. And, and I feel like there was this, as I heard you say that giving glory to it, the first thing that came to my mind was you know, after every major sporting event and there's an interview happening and the, the first thing the person will say is, you know, you know, I just want to give glory to God for this win. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think that sometimes that sort of 
it's one of those phrases that we hear that we just kind of like gloss over. It's sort of like, oh, bless you. You know, I hope you're blessed. Like, it just feels like a church phrase that sometimes loses all meaning, but I don't think Paul wanted it to lose meaning. So I, I think I would love to start by just what we, what you mean and what the, we believe the Bible is telling us when it talks about giving glory to something. Well, it's interesting because the word glory in Hebrew actually uh, it talks about weight. And so it's a weightiness to something. And so when we talk about God having glory, it's like God has, think about it as him having the infinite mass, right? the yeah. infinite weight to something. And so when the Greek talks about boasting, it talks about kind of a, a placing a crown of glory on something. So think about like looking at something and saying, I'm putting all the weight on this. So this is like such a big deal. This is a huge thing. I'm putting the weight on this. And and so then that's just an interesting word. So it's, And you can see why the translators are like, okay, how exactly am I going to define this? Because it, 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 And so I, I think that giving someone or something glory is, is saying this is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. It and and giving God the highest glory. He's getting he's the biggest deal with the largest mass and the the, the weightiness of God in, in who he is. And so um that makes it really interesting when you get into all the ways that Paul uses boasting because he's like don't boast and we can't boast and I'm going to boast and it's foolish to boast but here's my boast and you made me boast and there's um and and then you start reading you start thinking about oh he's just he's adding weight to all of these things. It's an it's it 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 becomes interpretively tricky and fun to actually kind of yeah. read. The, and I found myself just getting way into the boasting thing when I was studying it. And I'm like, he's going to hit on this so much in Second Corinthians. We're going to talk about this a lot on the podcast. Yeah, and I, that's great. And it's what's sort of interesting timing, though I don't believe intentional, is we have just begun the political season. Right. And regardless, another one of those fun words that regardless of which particular side you find yourself on, it does sometimes seems as though seem as though every politician's message is I am the answer to all of your problems. Right. Well, like, it's not only I'm the answer to all your problems, but uh, we the world is going to end this year. <laughs> it's going to end this year. Every four years, for the me. world is going to end. But I can <laughs> fix it for you. And that sort of, I think we would put that in the category, not necessarily of boasting, maybe of bragging. Perhaps of bragging. bragging. So just what do we think the difference is? I mean, we could see. Do you like really we know want me to see. talk about politics? Is that what no, I don't want you to talk about politics. <laughs> I just was trying to give people a, re- uh, a visual illustration that they could certainly relate to. <laughs> but I'm just like, I do think that there is a distinction there that is important for people because Paul was not bragging, right? He was boasting. No. But often the thing we see that, sort of sounds similar on the surface is is something entirely different. Yeah. Well, I think bragging has as a very end ourselves and giving ourselves that weight, giving ourselves that glory, giving ourselves that crown, putting us on the throne. That's what bragging does. What boasting does in when it's in a positive sense, and this is what I was so blown away kind of in the in just kind of the especially in first and second Corinthians reading through that, is Paul is basically whenever he boasts he is giving God the glory for it. And so it is almost like if you think of an arrow pointing to yourself and then through yourself to God is what he's doing. And I honestly, I think 
it is harder for us in the Midwest than it probably is for people around this country to grasp this concept. I interact with people all over the United States, all over the world. And we are uniquely self-effacing in mm-hmm. the United States. I mean, we're the people who we turn around the corner in the grocery store, we run into someone and the person we run into says, I'm sorry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are almost to a fault self-effacing. And so anything that smacks of, uh, of, of any sort of braggadocious l- l- posturing, we are just like, we're out. We're, we don't want anything to do with that. Yep. But you go to the East Coast, you go to the West Coast, you go to Texas, and we just seem out of sync with the rest of the world. Yep. Some would say, well, that means we're more godly. I mean, and you can go ahead and make that argument. But <laughs> they I call think it that, the Bible Belt for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know that we're the Bible Belt. <laughs> Isn't that true. farther south of us? We're, we're the Bible Naval. <laughs> or something. We're the, we're the, we're the, uh, the Bible Beer Gut. Yeah. <laughs> That's Just more above the belt. Yep. Just above the belt. Um, but, you know, I think that, so we have this aversion to, we read passages like this and we're always like, whoa, 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 when, when Paul says, I'm, I'm boasting. So we miss the point that sometimes you can look at what God is doing in your life or in someone else's life and you can say, wow, you can do that as long as the glory is not for you, as long as you're giving God the glory and the whole point is to flow through you to him. And when that arrow stops with you, now we're braggadocious. And I think that when you talk about politics, politicians are like, yeah, I'm the answer. I'm the answer. I'm the answer. I'm the answer. And they sort of have to do that to get the vote. But well, we, uh, you know, from a godly perspective, that's just bragging. So that's pride. That's arrogance. But um, in fact, uh, Paul argues, don't, don't put your hope in humans. Um, you know, don't place your, your, you know, just don't elevate humans like that. As we covered a bit of that. Um, but I think, that, yeah. I'm rambling. No, that's all right. <laughs> so, so let me ask you, let me throw your yeah, line yeah. <laughs> and ask you a question. So it feels though, as though a lot of it is about motivation, sort of. It's like, what is my motivation for this this arrow that I'm about to point, right? And if the motivation is because I want the attention and I want to get the glory, then that's a problem, right? But Paul's motivation, and he even says, this is our boast, the testimony of our conscience. It's like, I am saying this to you with a clean conscience, right? I am saying this to you. And he even, he even talks about his sincerity in, in the effort. And I think it, it does feel like, and I know that I'll just speak personally. It can be really easy to say the words, but even if the word I am saying is, you know, I just, I just want to give God all the glory for that. It, it It's real easy for that, but that looks really good to say that. Right. And so the motivations get really confusing. I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. And in fact, I think that's a lot of what Paul's getting at. And we're going to see this for the next couple of weeks as we go through the end of chapter one into the beginning of chapter two. A lot of what he's doing is he's clearing up his motives because it's he's got a lot of accusations. Hey, Paul, why didn't you come to visit us? You promised you would come. Why didn't you know? There's all kinds of stuff like that. And so he is clearing up his motives and saying, I have a clear conscience in this. And I would say, and... Sometimes, oftentimes, maybe all the time, we are unable to fully appreciate what our own own motives are. And I, I think that even in us talking about what is appropriate boasting, it should always come with a 
little hitch, and that might be where the Midwesterners get it right. You know, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, it says in James 4, right? And so we, we really got to be, we do want to be cautious, and we should always know that there's some sinful part of us that really wants us to be on the throne. It wants us to be seen. It wants us to have the platform. It wants us to have the likes. And so, I mean, even it's, you know, I post a lot of videos online and we do these podcasts and it'd be easy to say, I'm just trying to build a platform so people can look at me. And you know, there's probably a part of that inside of us that is true as mm-hmm. well. So it's got, it's always having this view to kind of second guess yourself in the sense of don't like beat yourself down, but always know that, yeah, there's probably a little bit of that going on as well, that motivation. Um, and what I think is remarkable is Paul was able to say, I have a clear conscience about this. Mm-hmm. He was able to look at his own life and say, I really just feel like that did the best I could do. No, was he perfect? No, which helps me to say, it's okay to say to someone who's accusing me of something or saying, you know, you didn't follow through or something to say, no, I really think I did. Right. Like, I think sometimes we're too self-effacing and we don't want to, you know, be seen as prideful and arrogant, so we don't defend ourselves. And Paul is giving an example of how you defend yourself in a godly way, and you give God the glory in that. Yeah, and you just said you you, you talked about something in a prideful way. You didn't talk about it in a prideful way. You used the, <laughs> you used the phrase a prideful way, right. and I do feel like there's definitely an intersection with pride here. And this is a thing that I think about, and it's always been sort of weird in the back of my mind. So I'll just sort of toss it over to you. But as a parent, right, one of the things that on a regular basis, when our kids talk about something or come home and have done something like we want them to know we're proud of them. We talk about that a lot. It's, it's a, it's a phrase that we use. It's a phrase I intentionally try to use when our kids are telling us about, you know, a thing that they did, or even a conversation that they had. I'm proud of the way you handled that, or I'm proud of what you did there because we want what we are. But also I think like, but am I supposed to be proud of my kids, right? And I think maybe the answer is it comes back to motivation, but still like you're the pastor, help me out here. <laughs> Cause it does sometimes think like pride feels like it's another one of those words that very much depends on context. Oh, absolutely. And, and so again, uh, think about the difference of being proud of someone versus being prideful. Is that That's what I would make the distinction. And mm-hmm. they're two wildly different concepts. And so I can be proud of my children, but I can also turn them into an idol and become prideful of my children. And I know that I have been both. There have been times where I'm very proud of my children. I'm uh, like, I love my kids. They're all adults now. They all uh, say that they follow Jesus right now. There's so much going on in their lives. I'm so proud of them. And sometimes it starts to kind of turn around to I'm becoming prideful about Mm -hmm. my parenting or I'm prideful in putting them on the throne of my life. And you always have to kind of be watch out for idolatry. Like not... There's a sense in which like some of the Puritans would talk about um, almost like the way I describe is going on an idol hunt in your life because mm-hmm. there's an idol behind every corner. Like, and I'm like, don't just, just calm down. Just let it. Right. <laughs> but I do think we need to be self-aware of when being proud turns into being prideful, but they're just two different things. Yeah. And that is, I think helpful And you, in the, in your message, you actually gave us some lists, which I feel like was really helpful because it was when you think about motivation, the I sort of go to where the, you know, the Bible in many cases talks about you'll know something by its fruit, right? You'll know the type of tree it is by its fruit, and really what it's saying is you'll know it because of the end result, right? You'll you'll know what someone's motivation is because of what ends up happening, or you'll know if someone has a specific gift or because 
you'll see what the fruit of that particular thing. And so I, it seems as though you're talking about like your motivation. You can check. You even said you can use these as like a mirror. You can check your motivation with these two lists. And I'm going to just like real briefly sort of explain the two lists that you gave us, uh, except for that all my pages were out of order. So that's, that's really fun. But you had two <laughs> columns. The first one was you talked about like sort of human wisdom. You call it human wisdom, but I was thinking of it as like human motivation, right? Which was bitter envy, selfish ambition, denies the truth, disorder and evil practices. And just for anyone listening that, that came, this came from James three, 13 through 17. And then you had godly wisdom, which was good conduct, gentleness, pure, peace, loving, gentle, again, compliant, full of mercy, full of good fruit. There's the fruit again, unwavering and without pretense. And I just like talk about how you see people as being able to use those two lists as they think about their own motivations and how they're using this. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting in James three, those two lists come uh, with a sandwich of other ideas that I didn't obviously get a chance to talk about. Sure. And it's always tricky when you're teaching through a book, this is a little tangent, but when you're teaching through a book, I try not to spend too much time outside of that book unless I have to, but sometimes you go outside of the book to get context to come back because scripture interprets scripture. So that's where, you know, we do this, but there was James has a little sandwich there in James three. He basically has this whole, little diatribe about does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Can a salt water yield, uh, you know, can a salt water spring yield fresh water? And he's basically saying the fruit in your life is going to come from what is at the center. So it, it, the, it's just going to flow. So it's, it's easy to look at these lists and to say, okay, well, I guess I got to just make myself more gentle, right? Like it's a, you know, that's going to have to, I'm going to have to gut that out. But that's, we look at it as a mirror to diagnose our hearts. I mean, in another spot in James, he says, uh, you know, you look at, look into the law um, is like one uh, hypocrite is like one. I remember that off the top of my head. Uh, the, who looks into the law, the perfect law, and then walks away and immediately forgets what it looks like mm -hmm. is kind of how we behave. And so basically when I say a mirror, it's, it's more of a diagnostic tool of saying, Hey, what's, what's really at the center of my life. And so when we find that envy and, um, selfish ambition and boasting and denying truth is happening in our lives, we can kind of take a step back and go, Oh, then what does it say about the vine on which that fruit is growing, right? Mm -hmm. What does that say about the spring at which that water is flowing from? And and so we don't deal with the, the symptom, we deal with the cause. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say, just kind of lift your eyes off of that sin and off the world and put them back on Jesus. And just like, that's what you're dealing with there. And it's interesting, that's the first bookend. The second bookend, is that passage that I quoted, James 4, 6, God resists the problem, gives grace to the humble. And he just, that whole passage, he says, you desire what you want, you can't have it. You, war, you murder and covet because you can't obtain. You just like, And so basically, he, he is all talking about motivations there. Um, and he's just showing the condition of our heart will necessarily produce a specific kind of fruit. And so for me, I always get really, really careful in giving lists like that because I don't want people to go, well, I just, I just got to work really hard at it. Well, well, you got to look real hard at the thing behind the thing. Right. Yeah. That's not necessarily the, the goal in and of itself. It's the goal is to have, to fix the heart condition. And, and if you've done that, then this is what it will look like. Right. Like what Paul said in first Corinthians nine, where he said, I worked harder than any of them, but the grace of God was with me. And so 
I love that because he's like, yeah, I'm working hard at this, but it's the grace of God that's with me. And so it's, you never gut it out on your own, any of these things. And, and, and so I, I think that we kind of have this false dichotomy behind working hard and striving and the grace of God in our lives producing the fruit. And God kind of uses the two of them together, but it's never about forcing ourselves to bear fruit. We just, we just can't ever do that. Right. And you, you talked also sort of towards the end about in kind of maybe the practical piece of this was to, to sort of reframe it and to be thinking, you asked the question, what if we started boasting of others when we see God transforming them from the inside out? What if we committed to treating each other with a gentleness? And it was, I felt like that was such a great twist because really Paul is writing about this for the benefit of the church, right? He is, and he even goes on and he says like that you are our reason for pride and we are your reason for pride. And he's, so he's really boasting about the church. And I just, I think that that is such a great way to reframe this and to think like, if I could call out this thing and put, you talked about the crown and put the crown on this other person. Like I don't need that for myself. Right. And I feel, is that sort of where Paul is going with this? I'm not sure that's hundred percent where he's going with this. Like, but I think that that's a good application for it. So I, and that's a good Bible interpretation thing too. Uh, when we're reading the Bible, it means something. So, you, and, and we, we we most of the time can know what it means. And we look at the historic context and it means something. There are infinite numbers of applications. Right. Um, so exactly what he's saying here is that one day in glory, they're going to look at each other and go, man, you're my reason for pride. They're going to get that on the day of the Lord. That's that's the meaning of the text. The application of that for, for me is just like, Oh geez, why don't we start now? Yeah. <laughs> it's all like there's a there's an infinite number of applications, and for me the application is why can't we start living? I mean, in the Lord's Prayer, um, Jesus says, you know, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, if one day it's going to be like this, why don't we try to do that now? Like for me, so that's the application for me is let's let's start giving other people the glory, and that's again the upside downness of the kingdom of God, the inside outness is is the last is first you know the first is last uh the, the one who's greatest among you will be the servant of all and so let's just start giving other people glory and especially when we see god changing them like when you're you're like and that's to go back to your parenting illustration when you see your kids behaving in a new way and you can say to your kids i see how god is changing you how powerful is that both for them that you're saying, hey, I'm seeing this cool thing, and for them to recognize that it is not their power, but is the Holy Spirit in their life, assuming they're a follower of Jesus. So it's, you know, to be able to say, someone used to always say that it's called the I see in you conversations, mm -hmm. but I see this in you. For me, I think that's like, we just, we see something, let's just say it. Don't, don't just let it go. Just say, tell somebody when you see something great going on in their life. Yeah. And it feels like, what an implication that would have on relationship with your kids, with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your friends, with your parents, like, with your neighbor. Yeah. I mean, I, it, yeah. that's, it is very countercultural, but yet it is also the thing that could open a lot of conversations. Yeah. So I was in somewhere in Florida, uh, last end of November, beginning of December, I was doing a motorcycle tour down the East side of Florida. And someone had told me, you got to stop at like this, this seafood place. So I stopped at the seafood place and there was a, a, a woman working behind the counter who was like the greatest. She was cheerful. She would learn someone's name and then she, when she was collecting their name for the order and then she would use their name back to them. 
And like she was, and I could tell, I, I thought to myself, man, if she has to do this six to eight hours a day, it must be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I was watching her greet each person with that. And so I kind of got my food from her and I was filling up my drink cup and I thought, I need to tell her. So I just went back and said to her, hey, I just want to let you know, if I was running a company, I would hire you. And she was like, what? And I was like, I would hire you. Because of, and I went through the description I just gave you. So I don't know that she's a follower of Christ. I don't know if she is or not, but she is created in the image of God. And just like we've talked about the last several weeks, people who are created in the image of God they get respect just because of that. Mm-hmm. And so even doing that, like you begin to do that, you begin to put a, a, a crown of glory on them and remind them of who they are in the image of Christ. If I lived in that area, I'd keep going there and eventually try to share the gospel with her, right? Because right. eventually I want to just tell her what I'm seeing shining through you is the image of God. One of my favorite things is there's, you know, I in my other work life, I spent a lot of time listening to people boast about their companies and whatever. But one of my favorite things is and I don't know if they only do it around the holidays, but Amazon has this thing, especially around the holiday holidays, when the delivery driver puts the box on the porch and they leave, you can just say to your little Alexa can, Alexa, thank my driver, and it will give them $5, right? Really? Yeah, it's really a that. true thing. That's and right cool. now, I just set up a bunch of people's Alexas and a bunch of drivers just probably got $5 because they heard me say all of that. But it is a true thing. You can just, you can do that. And in fact, you can even open the app on your phone and in the search, you can just say, thank my driver. And it knows who your last driver was and it will pass that along to them. And I, and we don't, we like it's, it was to me kind of a refreshing thing because like that's so atypical from what you expect from like giant tech companies and a big, huge organization like that. And I just I feel like it's a similar thing to what you just said. It's just a little way of passing along that thing to someone else. Well, it feels better than the broken tip culture we've got. Right. Like it, it, it's it's better than the driver knocking on your door and saying, hey, there's a few questions on my form before yeah. you get your package. Um, you're proactively saying to that person, thank you. And they are getting a little tip out of it. Yeah. But it's, it's a... I think, man, how can we, in as many ways as possible, reflect the love of Jesus in our culture in a way that causes people to come to us and say, you guys are just so different. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I need to know, like, like why are you like this? And, <laughs> and, and, and that's where it's like, even this, this tension that Paul is having with the Corinthians to kind of bring it back to our text here. He's trying to clear up their relationship and he's trying to build unity. And it's we can just so easily become disunified. And man, I'm just, I'll tell you what, I'm just tired. I, I'm online all day and just watching Christians chirp at one another, watch uh, brothers and sisters in Christ just find the littlest things to just pick apart. It just, it, it's exhausting. And it's just gotta be such a win for the devil. Like, why can't we just start like, like putting crowns on people? Stacia um, Trevino, who's on staff with us, she, it's probably a phrase everybody knows. I didn't know it. She goes, give people their flowers is the phrase she used. And I love that. It's the idea that just, just give people their flowers. And um, if you've seen those TikTok videos where somebody kneels down to tie their shoe and they hand somebody a bouquet of flowers and then they tie the shoe and then they just walk away and the person got the flowers and they hand them a note, they read it. And it just, let's just give people their flowers. 
let, yeah. let's just let's go after that and, and how much more will that give us an opportunity for the gospel and i do i think that that's great i, I will yeah there have been plenty of times in my life when someone has said to me why are you like that but i think this is a much better why are reason you like that <laughs> this feels like a better reason give them this as the reason for people to ask that so I, i'm i'm on board with that uh my last question as always is was there anything as you were studying that you're like it's just not going to make the message but i just want to make sure i say it to people gosh i think the stuff for me was all around the midwestern thing uh, that we already talked about earlier i was just like so blown away by how i think that we as midwesterners we don't know how to handle this text and the reason i realized that i didn't know how to handle this text i'm reading this text and i'm going paul you just see, feel like you're self-promoting. It feels like you're self-protection. Like, what are you doing? Why mm-hmm. are you doing? And and so I think we have an aversion to that. And I think sometimes to take a beat every once in a while and ask yourself, how much of my reaction to this text or my reaction to this truth or my reaction to whatever is culturally defined and it may be as tight as Midwestern culture. It might be Lansing culture. It might be just Western culture. It might be 21st century culture. But we always have to we always have to ask that question because I think we there's a book that uh, came out a number of years ago called um, Misinterpreting Scripture Through Western Eyes or something like that. And it was really good showing how that we as Westerners we miss all of this stuff about community and respect and responsibility of the society versus the individual we miss all of that in the text because we're so individualistic and so i think i've thought about that a lot and so i thought okay where do i have a a cultural arrogance where i believe my midwestern view on what boasting and pride is is better than scripture's view and i think that was the thing i wrestled with the most that i didn't have time to just really unpack that's great. And Noel, thank you so much for unpacking all of this with us today. And for those of you who are listening, thank you so much. We will be back again next week. We are so thankful for everyone who is listening. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to Noel's message, be sure to tap the link. You can go over and listen to it in the other feed. Subscribe to that one too, because you'll get all of our message feeds in there. And we'll talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.